oftentimes in life, circumstances require being viewed from alternate perspectives in order to gain new insights and awareness around them. Like stepping back from a painting of little shaded squares until it reveals the clear intended picture. Welcome to Pixelated Perspectives, the podcast intended to offer new perspectives into your health and overall well-being, explained through the lens of German New Medicine. I'm your host, Tanya Verquin. I'm an artist, family woman, and nature and life enthusiast. So let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to Pixelated Perspectives Podcast. My name is Tanya, and thank you for tuning in to another episode. This is episode 41, as we are just entering the brand new calendar year, 2023. So I'd like to wish everybody a happy new year, a happy start to the new year that is upon us. If you're like me, you've already taken inventory of the last 12 months and kind of just jotted down, you know, the ways that you have grown, the ways you've evolved. Maybe you've looked back at some of the lowest lows and some of the highest highs, and in doing so, have set some intentions for yourself about what you want to experience, you know, in these next 12 months ahead. Time goes so fast, and I know everybody says this, but it just seems to be speeding up year after year. I know that in the grand scheme of things, there is no time. We're all just an expression of the the one life, you know, the one isness. And in that, time doesn't exist. But while we are in this human experience, time does exist. And I, I'd like to know that I make the best use of my time. I feel better when I've accomplished some things, when, you know, not just speaking of a list of to-dos for day-to-day things, but some bigger things, like taking the time to speak my heart and speak my truth and share that, Um, taking the time to spend time with my family, with the people that are nearest and dearest to me, taking the time to do activities that fill my soul. And these are all things that when I make time for, I feel the best. And as I look back at the last year, I can see I've done a lot more of those things than previous years. Um, And so my intention is to continue that, continue that um, momentum into this new year. But I do want to minus something from my experience from the last 12 months and not carry it in with me into this new year. And I just wanted to share that and kind of just speak it out loud because it just helps solidify my intention. Also, maybe this will just perk some sort of thought within you and perhaps you will feel the same way. And perhaps not. The thing that I don't want to carry into this new year is my frustration and anger when it comes to the whole mainstream narrative around specifically conventional medicine and the whole model, that medical model, and how that medical model is just so unaware of natural laws in place and almost to a point that it's simply being refused to look at. Not only because the natural laws, these biological laws known as German New Medicine or 
Germanic healing knowledge. These laws are suppressed. This knowledge is suppressed, but it's so getting so um, more momentum in people learning it and practicing it, you know, applying the knowledge to their everyday life. But it still feels like that conventional model doesn't want anything to do with it. And over that, that whole subject matter, I've carried so much anger in me and so much frustration and resentment towards that model and that narrative and the people involved on a grand scale that I realize it's really not doing me any good. Yes, the anger has gotten me to start this podcast and to speak up and teach German New Medicine to my best ability, but it is also affecting my my emotional state and my just emotional well-being, my state that I resonate at at a day-to-day basis. And I want to choose something completely different. I know that, you know, the conventional medical model is the way it is, and it's not going to help change it with me staying angry. In fact, I'm kind of perpetuating the problem because of the energy that I'm cultivating around it. And it's kind of like keeping it held in a cyclical pattern. And I know it's just me, but compound that day after day, this energy. And perhaps there are more out there like me who feel anger and resentment toward this medical field that, you know, it becomes more than just me. And it's this ripple effect that really is touching all layers of this issue. And I choose to not be a part of that anymore. Instead, I'm going to have compassion. I I want to bring compassion into 2023. To see it from the perspective of people will accept the five biological laws on their own time, at their own time, and I know timing is always always right. So I'm going to just trust in the process, keep doing what I'm doing, minus the anger and minus the resentment and that pointing fingers and instead as i said just just sharing what i'm doing continuing to teach classes continuing to uh, serve my membership members as they've come to me to help with understanding the laws of nature and how to just apply everyday knowledge of these laws into their own life that's what i want to keep doing that's what i will do And so I look forward to having you come on this journey with me and hopefully that you will feel more of the resonance of compassion and love come through. That is kind of my intention for the new year. So thank you so much for helping me proclaim that and announce that publicly. I hope that you've come up with your own intention for the next 12 months because it's always nice to have a focal point, something to focus on, on any journey. And, you know, living 12 months of the year is definitely a journey. So having said that, let's get into today's episode. I wanted to take the time to kind of just wrap up all the questions that have come in through direct messages and emails to me from people, you know, wondering about their health conditions or certain symptoms from the German New Medicine perspective. So That's what I'm going to do for the next few minutes, and hopefully this will be really insightful for you. 
The first question we're going to cover is the loss of smell. So what causes the chronic loss of smell? So not just specifically for a short time, but an ongoing condition where we're not able to smell. This is a hanging healing of a scent conflict. So let me just back up and explain here. When someone experiences an unexpected conflict shock around this situation sucks or this smells or I smell danger, this is what's known as a scent or stink conflict. And at the moment that someone experiences that conflict, that, you know, caught on the wrong foot, you know, caught off guard, it's that moment that the autonomic nervous system switches on and you move into a prolonged state of stress, right? A sympathetic atonia. This is where we have cellular or tissue adaptation starting right off the bat. And so in the nasal passageway, what happens is we have cell ulceration. It's tissue loss. And the whole biological purpose of a tissue loss in that nasal passageway is to widen that passageway in order to better smell danger. Now, as long as somebody stays conflict active, this ulceration continues. So it's always going to be proportionate, this t- tissue adaptation, in degree of the severity of the conflict, okay, and the length of it. So again, when someone's conflict active, the entire time you're going to have cell loss, tissue loss in that nasal passageway. Now, when someone resolves that conflict, now their system switches into a lasting state, a prolonged state of rest, which is the healing phase. And so the opposite happens now. Where those tissues were lost, there's going to be cell replenishment with the help of of bacteria. This is when we begin to have symptoms. So yes, we get a stuffed up nose due to the swelling. We have um, runny nose. We can get nosebleeds, but we also have a loss of scent in this phase. Okay, in this healing phase. And this phase will last as long as it was conflict active for. Okay, so it's very proportionate. So if you were conflict active phase for, let's say, three days with a scent conflict or a stink conflict, then you will expect three days of symptoms. And so then after that, you the program, you know, finishes up, it completes, and you're back into this normal rhythm of day and night. How this becomes chronic is when there's conflict relapses due to tracks. And tracks are just something that triggers you back into a conflict active phase. And they're established at the time, at the moment of your initial conflict shock. So that initial experience of having a unexpected stink conflict, well, your subconscious mind records the environment that you're in. It records literally everything. And so if you were beside a, a train, you were waiting at a train when you experienced a scent, a scent conflict or a stink conflict, it could be the noise of a train or just seeing a train that becomes a track for you. And so now every time you have to stop at and wait for a train, this could be potentially a track and will momentarily bring you back into a conflict activity until you're away from that train and then you go back into healing and you get the symptoms all over again. 
So that's just an example of how a track is set up. And when we become aware of our tracks, then they, they can diffuse because we, when we bring them to, to a conscious awareness and we realize and understand that it really doesn't play a role anymore. It, the train is not significant at all in any way, shape or form. And so we can just allow that to dissolve. It doesn't need to be a track anymore. We've brought it to our conscious awareness. You will have to identify the track, or it could be several tracks, in order to clear up and finally have this program come to completion. That is how come we can have chronic anything. And it's really how it explains what allergies are. Tracks are really allergies. You can have an allergy to an orange, the scent of an orange, or the smell of an orange, if that was established at the moment of a conflict shock for you. You know, this is how peanut allergies are formed with children. Most of the time it happens at school. Well, think of all the times you can experience a conflict shock at school. So this is how allergies are explained as well. That is the loss of smell. Now, your olfactory nerve can be very much involved too. So this is if you're not, you know, you experience not being able to smell something or someone or, or the opposite, you're not wanting to smell someone or something. Okay, so instead of having a scent conflict in a way that this situation sucks or this stinks, it could be, I, I don't want to smell this. I do not want to smell what I'm smelling right now. And that can be literal. It could be like a very offensive smell, right? Or it could be more of a figurative. So if this is how someone perceives an unexpected conflict shock, then their olfactory nerves are going to be involved. And this will definitely have something to do with the loss of smell because it's a the functional loss of the olfactory nerves during the conflict active phase. And it, it just blocks the perception of the unwanted smell, right? It's, it's equal to basically short-term memory loss during a separation conflict. It blocks the ability to use the scent. And that happens while you're conflict active. So it differs in a scent conflict where we have our symptoms during the healing phase, right? We have the loss of smell when we're healing from a stink or scent conflict. But if we have, you know, a conflict where the olfactory nerves are involved, the loss of smell is while you're conflict active. And so we have to be able to differentiate if we are conflict active, if, if we have a loss of smell, can you differentiate if you're conflict active with that conflict or if you're indeed healing, if you feel a resolve and relief around something? So this is kind of an inside job. This is you becoming really, really aware of what you're going through and what you've been going through and to kind of look at it, be able to zoom out and take a bigger picture perspective and really start asking questions outside of the box. Try to investigate what you've been through or what you're currently going through, and that will help you point to whether you're conflict active or you're healing. But regardless, if we have a loss of smell and the olfactory is involved and we are conflict active for a long time, then that explains the prolonged state of the loss of smell. And it won't be until we resolve that conflict that our scent comes back into proper functioning. Um, and again, tracks can be set for this as well. 
and it can be developed during the original conflict shock. So we always have to be aware of our triggers, you know, our tracks. If we're dealing with something chronic, that is the work. It's the, the inner work, our, our core responsibility for our own health because no one else can get inside your head and discover what your tracks are. We can, we can help and talk through it and ask questions and help in that way. But it all comes down to ultimately being aware of when you are set off, you know, what triggers you into a symptomatic phase. And it's really helpful to start a symptom log, like a diary, and write down the date and what the symptom is and then what's actually happening. Like, where are you? What's your environment like? What is your emotional state like? Who are you talking to? What have you been eating? What have you been doing? All of these things matter because in that, within that description can be a track or more than one track. And eventually, if you got days and days recorded, you will soon see that there is a common denominator. There's a common thread in all of that. You know, and you can highlight it, you can circle it, but whatever the case is, you'll begin to notice the common tracks or the common single track. That is how we become aware of it. And then, as I said earlier, when we bring it to our conscious awareness, we will then be able to just simply dissolve it just from our awareness, just from us learning about it consciously, because it's, it no longer plays a role. Yes, it played a role at the moment of our conflict shock. It was this protective mechanism that our psyche established for us in case we experienced another conflict shock similar. But now that we're done, we don't need those tracks in place. And so bringing that to your awareness is the best way to dissolve a track or multiple tracks. And then the chronic condition clears and dissipates. So that's very long-winded. Um, the question also had to do with, you know, why do we smell certain smells all the time? Like if it's an offensive smell, like BO or something, why does everything seem to smell like that? Well, that could be in play of the original conflict shock and what it had to do with. It's like your, your psyche, you've set up this program all subconsciously. Obviously, this wasn't done consciously. It's like this developed set point now. And so even like a piece of citrus fruit that normally smells wonderful, you wouldn't be able to smell that because of this strong set point in your head of this offensive smell that came from an original conflict shock. So just understanding that concept and that perspective can be all you need in order to make that connection that there's nothing quote-unquote wrong with the senses. It's just there was a something established, this set point, you know, this really strong indicator during an unexpected conflict shock, and now it has been programmed into your subconscious mind. And so making that correlation might be all you need to kind of dismantle that and dissolve that set point. And just beginning to realize that everything is so meaningful. Like there's nothing malfunctioning. There's no mistakes within how our body has their adaptations. Okay, let's move on to sleep apnea. This whole condition of stopping breathing while we're sleeping. This is, an, this is due to an original conflict shock of overwhelm, an overwhelm conflict, okay? 
but the sleep apnea is just like what we discussed for the chronic scent loss. It's a hang in healing, which means there is conflict relapses due to tracks. So anything chronic is conflict relapses. Okay, it's what we call hang in healing, and it's always due to tracks. So what's actually happening to cause somebody to not be able to breathe is, is generated by the contractions of the diaphragm during the epicrisis. And the epicrisis is, you know, the, the highest point of a healing phase. So there's two parts of the healing phase. There's the first phase, phase A, and then right in the middle is the epicrisis, the height of the healing phase, and then you have phase B and the program completes. So the epicrisis is where you're momentarily brought back into a conflict-active state to expel the edema, protective pocket of water on the brain, on the level of the brain, as well as the level of the organ. And that contraction of the diaphragm is what causes the breathing problem. Now, depending on the severity of the conflict, this is going to depend on the severity of the sleep apnea and how long somebody isn't breathing for. It can be, you know, uh, not breathing for a few seconds or even up to a minute or more. So um, it all has to do with the severity of this original overwhelm conflict. Also, you know, there can be conflicts that are derived from having sleep apnea because the fear of not being able to breathe can be a conflict in and of itself and start another program on top of that. And so this can become quite severe. It can become quite complicated, but that's the whole cause of why somebody would experience sleep apnea. And so just like when we have to identify tracks with the scent conflict to restore our, you know, this ability to smell, we have to be able to recognize and identify the tracks that are keeping us in place for this original overwhelm conflict. And like I said, as long as it's been chronic conditions, it's had you've had tracks involved, or one track, at least one. So again, getting a diary, get really, really clear on what the tracks are. And because sleep apnea, the track would be, most of the time, sleep. Like, it would be the bedroom, it would be bed, it would be just going to sleep. That is a track for most people because that's when we experience not being able to breathe. So that is one of the tracks. There could be more. But when you bring, again, the track to your conscious awareness and make that correlation between that track and the original conflict, and that track's keeping it, this condition in place, then like I said before, that sometimes is all a person needs to do in order to have this track dissolved. But sometimes it's a lot more complicated than that because you're dealing with more than one conflict um, keeping this in place. So that's when it's helpful to have someone there with you, help ask questions and bouncing ideas around about what these conflicts could be and how we could look at them differently, how we can understand the situation from this this perspective of the five biological laws and a lot of times that is what is super super helpful to be able to finally bring an end and a completion to this special biological program 
The next question is cervix and specifically polyps or cervical cancer. And this again, anytime we're dealing with the symptoms in this nature, we're dealing with the healing phase. Okay, so we're already healed. We're already in healing, pardon me, of a mating or sexual conflict. But the polyp is caused from an ongoing. So again, conflict relapses because there's tracks in place. The polyp is what forms from continuous conflict relapses of this tissue adaptation over and over. So you have the tissue ulceration, and then you have the tissue rebuild up and replenishment. And it's just tissue loss, tissue re replenishment. It builds up over time, this polyp. And this is when you could also get a diagnosis of precancerous cells because there's, there's a higher cell count, but that's because of this ongoing um, conflict relapses with your tissue adaptations. But you know from the German New Medicine standpoint, it is due to a sexual or mating conflict and you're hanging healing. So you've got tracks there that have to be identified in order to finally bring that special biological program to a close. So just to get specific on this type of conflict, you know, it's distress around sexuality, around sex or mating. So it could be like a rejection, being rejected. It could be unwanted sex, not wanting sex, being forced into it or feeling unwanted or a lack of sex because you've, your, your sexual partner has left. So it's distress around that type of thing. And during the conflict activity, as long as you're conflict active for, you're going to have that cell loss to widen the cervix. And the whole biological purpose of that widening is for a better chance of conception. Because if you're, if you're distressed around mating, nature says, well, okay, let's, let's make this easier to conceive then. This is nature's biological way of helping us cope. You know, nature doesn't know the difference if you are, if it's a literal mating conflict or a figurative one, like feeling distress around it. So regardless, these are laws and they're going to, they're going to carry out their adaptations regardless. So then as soon as someone resolves, then this cell ulceration is replenished again with the help of bacteria. And so it's in this healing phase where we have our symptoms. We can have painful cramps, heavy menstrual periods. We can have bleeding. Um, so the cell replenishment comes with swelling and, of course, these symptoms. And it's the polyp that develops, as I was saying, when we're in conflict relapses. We're hanging healing because we have tracks in place. So again, going back, we have to identify what the tracks are so that we can finally bring this biological program to a close. And so just to circle on back to the abnormal cell count there, that is just a snapshot of the tissue adaptation when you're, you know, back, you've been back into healing phase and you've got that cell replenishment happening, that proliferation of cells. Yes, it's going to be a higher cell count because it's replenishing the tissue that was lost during your conflict active phase. So there's nothing to be concerned about when you have, you know, abnormal cell count. So another question is erectile dysfunction. And what is this? What causes this? What is the condition? So this is from a mild sexual self-devaluation, okay, related to the penis. 
So think of not feeling good there, not feeling good enough there, or being rejected. Anything along that lines to do with the penis. Now what happens when someone is conflict active with this self-devaluation, the sexual self-devaluation, is there's this narrowing of the blood vessels, and it restricts the rush of blood into the penis required for an erection. So as long as somebody is um, conflict active, they are going to have this condition where they're unable to, to have an erection or at least maintain one. Now, when someone moves into healing and has resolved that sexual self-devaluation, then the erectile function returns to normal. Now, like everything we've been talking about with a chronic condition, we know based on the biological laws that there is a track in place or more than one track in place keeping this conflict relapsing, so hang and healing, just like what we've been talking about. So again, it's finding what the track is. And I should point out too that sometimes it's the condition itself that becomes a track. It's, it's the emotion tied to that condition, and it's the thoughts involved. So if somebody is, you know, dealing with an erectile dysfunction, it's the whole thought of having a sexual partner and feeling degraded by that in some way could cause, number one, another self-devaluation conflict, but it may also be a track. So it's really becoming mindful and trying to make the correlation between the condition that someone's experiencing and tie it to an original conflict shock and understanding that that was the initial cause and the adaptations and the physiological changes that are occurring are meaningful based on the conflict and based on whether someone is in conflict active phase or if they're in the healing phase. And again, if it's ongoing, then it's just conflict relapse after conflict relapse. And it really can perpetuate a vicious cycle and it can be really complicated to get out of. But it is possible. It's very, very possible. It's just trying to zoom out and looking at the situation from a, a different perspective with the correlation and the understanding that it's connected to a, an original conflict shock and then to be able to recognize when um, somebody is triggered, when you are triggered. I think regardless of you know any chronic condition that somebody experiences, the work is an inside job, first of all, like I discussed earlier in this podcast episode. And it's also very, very important to do the work because instead of just going to um, and using the medical system and using the pharmaceutical to downgrade the symptom or get rid of the symptom, the, that's not going to touch the conflict. It's not going to resolve the conflict relapse because there's still tracks in place. And so whether you are taking a medication to minimize the symptoms, the track will still be there. So it's just a perpetuating loop. And until somebody really understands that it's the psychological track in place, that subconscious set point, and it's going to require recognizing that, identifying that, and then dissolving that in order to finally resolve 
the, the biological program, and hence the chronic condition. It will dissolve. This is part of expanding as a person. This is part of evolving and growing into higher and higher levels of consciousness. The better we know ourselves and the more we can um, identify and look into how we're triggered, what triggers us, how we respond to situations, the better off we'll be, the easier it will be in future conflicts to, to handle. We'll never be able to eliminate conflicts or avoid them in any way because conflict shocks are just that. They're shocks. They're, they're things that we cannot be prepared for. And that's just part of human nature. That is part of life in this experience. So we have to understand that the more we know ourselves and the better we get with adapting um, and recognizing certain triggers and clearing up chronic conditions because we've identified tracks, this is beneficial on so many levels. It's beneficial, of course, for our own evolution and well-being, but also the people around us because people see everything, whether we know it or not. The, the ones we're closest to, our family members, our loved ones, our friends, seeing you do the work, the inner work that's necessary, is inspiring for anybody. It's also the energy that it cultivates and that you are radiating when you do this work because it's an expansion. This is just one of the ways that we can consciously evolve and expand our awareness and consciousness. So that wraps it up for the questions I believe that's come in. I hope I didn't miss any. I hope this was helpful, and if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love if you could take a moment to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and share it with a friend, with a family member, share it on your socials, whatever you can do to help more people hear and learn about the five biological laws of nature, German New Medicine, or Germanic Healing Knowledge, or Germanishahai Kunde. If you would like to know more about these laws and just how to live in accordance to the laws of nature, as nature intended, then I do have a membership program where we get together twice a month on Zoom and we just delve into these laws. We talk about uh, case studies, we talk about our own examples, you know, just continue the conversation, continue learning this for our own health and for our family's health because if one person understands and really knows the insides of the, the laws, it helps everybody there around because it allows us to live with health freedom, really. Within that membership, there's so many resources. There's meditation uploads. There's recipe uploads that I call Nurture from Nature. And, you know, there's all sorts of things in there. So, go and check it out. I'm going to leave the link in the show notes to learn more or to sign up as well. If you have any questions at all, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can connect with me on Instagram at Pixelated Perspectives Podcast, or just email me and the link will be in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune into this episode. If you found some value in it, please consider subscribing and leave an honest review in iTunes. 
I'd love to help get this information out to more people and go ahead and share it with a friend. You can reach and connect with me at tanyaverquin.ca or on the socials at tanyaverquin.